Um, if you've got a Bible there, turn to Luke uh, chapter 9. We're going to keep looking at the same verse we've been looking at for the last three or four weeks. That is Jesus' declaration to his followers. If anyone desires to come after me, anyone, which includes you and me, um, hands up if you think you're outside the scope of anyone. Is there anyone here that feels like they're outside the scope of that? No, good, that's great, we're all the same page. So when we read this, we all realise that we can't just rush over it and gloss over it to the next miracle of Jesus, which, anyone like that, I love going to the miracle passage, because I love reading about the miracles and the power of God and all that stuff. Um, but there's a lot of things in there, as I've been saying, that, my goodness, I wish Jesus could see his face. My life as a Christian would be so much easier uh, if Jesus could see his face certain things and didn't prep me for certain things that are going to come our way uh, in life. Uh, who, who, who came to Jesus? Some of the guys that everything was going to be perfect from that moment on. Anybody talk about ethics? No, I, I know many, many people over the years I've seen may have believed that. And if you come to Jesus, life will be utterly perfecto and nothing bad will happen. And then at the slightest roadblock, they turn around and get angry at God. And just God was the one that falsely advertised himself. Unfortunately, he's not falsely advertising himself. Sometimes we're falsely advertising him, unfortunately. And so it's important that we be uh, in this thing called the Bible, the, the Word of God, the, the 66 ancient documents that have been collected over a period of 1,500 years, and thankfully for us that we've bound together in one cover, we call it a Bible. Uh, it's that we don't walk in here, 66 ancient parchments under our own, going, wonder which one will be unrolling today. Uh, we just pick up one book in turn. Pastor or whoever's speaking says, flip to this, and we flip to it, we can't find it, there's an index, there's numbers and all that, so life's easy. Uh, in terms of that, but we need to make sure, let me encourage you, uh, I know we live in a day and age and I talk to a lot of young people, and uh, you know it's amazing how many believers never sit this book up, never look at it, never open the pages, never read it. Uh, I don't read it just to try to understand it, it's not, it's not a encyclopedia Britannica or the Christian stuff, that's not what it is. We don't need to read it to study and understand all the intricacies. Uh, I love the life of James says, James says that the word of God is like looking for a mirror. Like looking for a mirror. What do you see when you look for a mirror? You get a reflection of exactly what you look like at that particular moment. The good or bad are And that's what happens in the beginning of this thing. Like looking into a mirror, it tells me who I should be, and it finds it points out who I'm, who I'm not, and, and it finds it points out that I've got a bit of smudge and makeup on. Well, not makeup, but you know, makeup. <laughs> well, I've not been anything wrong with that. But, um, you know, I've got, got, got a bit of grief or something under his left eye, or the hair's not done properly, or something like that, or it's flat back, and where I'm at, so I can walk away there and maybe make necessary uh, adjustments and, and so on. So, uh, be in this book. Get a, get a plan or something, read this book. Please don't be a generation. I talk a lot to young people and I have a genuine concern that we're going to end up in a generation of time with a bunch of people who are literally totally and utterly illiterate. Because we don't read anymore. And it's not enough to come on Sunday and somebody else tell you what it says. Read it, get it in your spirit, make it part of your world. Um, where Jesus wants. Um, but there's a lot of things that Jesus said um, about what it meant to follow him. And one thing he definitely said was that it was all going to be here in Kills or Better Road, so he said, no, it's not going to be uh, pain free, it's not going to be uh, all uncomfortable. It's definitely not always going to be popular. Who's found that following Jesus is not a popular option for life these days? If you want to be 
if you want to be popular with everybody, if you want to fit in, if you want to understand, make sure you get a fire of the majority think of the majority of the majority of the life and mimic that and then you have to release them out of persecution with your injection. Unfortunately, uh, if we're going to follow the path of Jesus, there's sometimes like that picture of the fish swimming upstream in the opposite direction to the rest of them. We're going to, uh, we're going to draw attention at times and we're going to probably be persecution and be Christian. In fact, we won't go into it because Jesus promised us, didn't he? He said, they perfectly made. Well, he's not really. So he's just made, he's done like, no, you're going to be alone to think I'm okay and follow me. Believe the stuff that comes out of my mouth. So we should be rocked by that. But this is one of those statements. In the last few weeks we've looked at it. Uh, first week I think we looked at it in Mark. Last week we looked at the same passage in Matthew. This week I want to draw your attention to the same passage in Luke. It's exactly the same passage, but I just want you to see that all uh, those three writers, they all testify that this, this was something Jesus actually said. Sometimes you read uh, stories in the Bible and there are somewhere one or two authors recognise that and were led by the Holy Spirit to write that incident down. But there are some that have broad brush and everybody noticed them. And this is one of those situations. The Holy Spirit wanted all these guys to make sure that they recorded this particular conversation in this statement. The statement says, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, Daily and follow me. If anyone wants to come after me, personalize If you want to come after Jesus, if you desire to come after Jesus, then this is for you. Jesus is saying, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. So we've been looking at what that means in the last few weeks, and we've been breaking it down. And um, just a very quick story, because I want to finish up with it today. Uh, very quickly, first thing we looked at was the first thing Jesus said, anyone who desires to come after me, to desire means to have it in mind to resolve. Basically, it's a decision. It's not based on any field. It's a decision that you want to follow up with Jesus. So I wonder if I ask you to think about that question for a second. Have you made the decision to follow up with Jesus? Have you actually made that decision? And you know that you've made the decision because it'll be evident by choices that you make after. If you look at your lifestyle and the choices that you make, and you know that they're not uh, congruent with a decision to follow Jesus, then, then just be honest with yourself and go, well, this is where I'm going. Who would, it would be terrible to get there one day and stand before the Lord and think that you're in, and have him be like uh, Matthew 26, 28, somewhere there. The sheep and the goats, and they go, well, we did all these wonderful things, and we were, we, were, we thought we were eating, and he said, you know what, I didn't know who you were. You thought you were following, you based on what? Did, 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 you, did you listen to my book? Was it based on what I said a follower looked like, or was it just based on popular opinion? Was it based on the latest book? What was it based on? Because I've made it very clear to you what a follower looks like, and what I'm asking you to do, because I've got this amazing life, and this is the thing. God has such an amazing life for us. It's ludicrous that we fight so hard to have the life that we think is there when we've got this all-knowing, all-loving God who has nothing but a good time in store for you. And by good time, I don't mean pain free, but what I mean is you're not going to find fulfillment in what you think fulfills you over and above what God thinks fulfills The peace that we search for in life, thinking if I could have this, 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 be there, and we pursue it, change it with all our might, if we would surrender to God, He would take us to a place where there's a peace that won't come to be, but He's ever going to give you. This is the life that God has an offer for us. It's an exchange of what we want for what He has for us and what He wants 
lleva el lado más de él. Final verde, when he's got better things in store for you. But we live in a world that doesn't support that context. We live in a world that puts it back on you and says, hey, you know, you, you, you're smart, you're intelligent, you believe, you're competent, you know how it works. You know, the truth is, we've got to surrender ourselves and go, I, I, I think I know how things work, but it doesn't matter what I know, so I'm going to go. I've got to make that decision. So have you made that decision? The second part we looked at was deny himself. If anyone will come after me, desires to come after me, let him deny himself. And uh, ladies, don't do this to your husband, just because it's his himself. Captain, my father, and you're denying himself. It's not that, that word is, is gender neutral. In other parts of the Bible, the same word translated herself, themselves, and so on. But if we want to come after him, if we make the decision to come after him, the first thing that we start doing is we start denying ourselves. Let me ask you this question, are you aware that God has plans and purposes for your lifetime? And then you'll have a time to plan. Are you aware that, that, that God is not just sitting in heaven and, and, and He loves us? Let me make that very clear. But God's not sitting in heaven going, I love Jackie so much that I'm going to do everything that's absolutely perfect for Jackie. And to get the rest of it. Anyone seen that movie, um, Bruce Almighty? Anyone seen that Jim Carrey movie? Now remember the scene where he asked him the moon. Anyone seen that he pulls the moon in? And then he's there with his, with his, his fiance and just a beautiful romantic scene and the moon's there. And, I mean, for him, that was the perfect and she was having the best night. But then the next morning on the news, there's this new story. Breaking news, a tsunami hits Japan. Why? Because the moon was moved, so there's a massive tsunami, thousands of people are killed. So, so God's not going to just sit back and go, I'm going to do whatever's best for one particular individual. God is, is going, you know, I know it's best for each individual, but in terms of your life, I want you to be committed to working with me to do what's best for mankind. I want you to play your role in the bigger picture. And every one of us have a role that we play in the bigger picture. Like Matthew just said, uh, your times and seasons were ordained by God. Who believes that? Who thinks that they're, they're here in 2020? Just by random chance. You could have easily just random chance and been a boy and you in the year 240. If you believe that, go and read, go and read the book of Acts. Paul talks about this. He says, you know what? He says, God preordained the, the times that men will be born and the seasons of their dwellings and the border of the gallery will be born. God ordained that you would be here for such time as this. God wants you here for a reason. So if God does something in the world at this particular time, then He wants you to acknowledge that and be open to playing your role in that. Are you aware that God has planned the purposes for your lifetime and you'll have a part to play in that? See, one of the things with Peter we looked at in this whole story, this whole scenario of denying himself taking up the cross, it actually starts with them declaring a wonderful revelation to the cross of some of the living God. And then, of course, you just have forces and you got it. Now that you know that, now I'm going to talk to you about God's bigger picture agenda. And he starts talking about his death and his burial and resurrection and what God is doing. Peter pulled him aside, and we all were out with him. Uh, last couple of weeks, Peter pulled Jesus aside, and Peter said, That's not going to happen to you, or he rebukes you. And then Jesus said, Just behind me, Satan, because you're not mindful of the things of man, I think of God. You're just simply mindful of the things of man. You see, in that moment, you what people are doing. I want you, Jesus, and I want you to be in my hand. Does that sound like a lot of believers? Unfortunately, I feel like I want you, God, but I want you to be in my hand. So, Lord, come into my life and then subject yourself to what I want. Jesus is trying to say to Peter, let's the other way. 
okay, I want you to follow me and to be yoked up to my bigger agenda. Because I have a bigger agenda. I have things that I want to do as well. God has plans and purposes. All I can is right back to the very first book of the Bible. Yes, God has plans. That right through the end, God has a plan. Creating what he's coming. God has a plan and a purpose. Something that he wants to do throughout the ages. To see people come to faith and to see people get the revelation of who he is. So I want to just finish up real quickly by looking at the next step of that process. He said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, make the decision to come after me, they will deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Take up his cross. What does it mean to take up your cross? Now, we live in a culture today where who's ever heard this, right? Oh, I've got a, I've got a sore toe. And I've been to the doctors and they can't fix my sore toe. I said, it's the unfixable toe, they call it. They can't do anything. But it's okay, don't feel sorry for me. It's just my cross to bear. You ever heard that? It's just my cross to bear. Um, oh, look, I, I, I've got this really, really bad marriage. It's, it just doesn't work, but I'm sticking at it. It's just my cross to bear. I've got uh, this, this sickness. It's just my cross to bear. My, 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 my people don't understand me, but it's just my cross to bear. And we turn the, the concept of carrying a cross into carrying some kind of burden upon our shoulders. That, that's the way that, that, that carrying a cross is put across in our culture, you know? Uh, I, I was brought up as Tigers fan, you know, from that big, my grandparents made me go to the Tigers, I never had a choice. Uh, I know it's stupid, but it's my cross to bear. I'm too loyal, I can't pick another thing. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm so good looking, people pick me, they feel inferior around me. I can't help it, I'm just too sexy for this world, it's my cross to bear. You know? What's funny? Have you ever thought that? No, no. Maybe it's just not. Our cross, bearing our cross, it, 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 it comes to, um, to, to mean carrying some kind of burden or living with some kind of burden, but that's not what it was that Jesus was talking about at the time. He wasn't saying, hey, if anyone desires to come after me, deny himself and pick up a great big burden and come after me. And then later on, and by the way, lay them burdens back on me, and I'll take them on because my yoke is busy and my burden is light. Exactly. My burden is light. The burden of God is light. When we're yoked to Him, when we're working with Him, you want to run off by yourself, and you can carry it yourself. But if you yoke yourself to God, His yoke is easy, His burden is light. Jesus was not saying to the disciples, come and carry some kind of a burden. He's what the cross represents. I want you to think about this. Jesus has just told them that he's about to die. He's told them there's a big picture of God. Now, keep in context, before Jesus gets on the scene, there's 400 years of silence. From the last prophet to when Jesus comes on the scene, there's 400 years of silence. Israel has not heard from God for 400 years. Now, if you don't hear from someone for 400 years, you're going to assume they're doing nothing. Yep? I did not hear from someone for a year and just assume, well, they're doing nothing. Nothing's going on. They're out of my world. And this is kind of what Israel must have felt. 400 years of silence. Where is God? What is God doing? Maybe God's doing nothing. Maybe God's given up on it. Maybe he's hanging up for it. Go back and look at our history. We're giving him every reason to give up. Maybe he's just come through his weekend and it's all over. Maybe, maybe, maybe. 400 years of silence. Jesus comes. These guys say, you're the Christ. And he goes, you've got Exactly. That Messiah that all the ancients spoke about, Yes, I'm here. In other words, God's still been doing something leading up to this moment. 
God says something on here in the Bible, and God pretends it is something. And then he goes on and expands on what he's talking about. I'm going to be crucified, buried, and died. God is doing something, and here's my role in that. When Jesus took up his cross, what was he being doing? Well, he's dying to save the world, yes. Becoming sin for us, yes. But ultimately, what was he doing? He was fulfilling the will of God for his life. Jesus kneels in the garden of Gethsemane, and what does he pray? Father, if it's okay with you, could you take this away from me? In other words, this plan that you've got for my life, if we could change it, that would be awesome. But not my will, in other words, my will is, Father, that we could do this another way. That's my will. I, I, I wish that we could do it another way. But at the end of the day, I'm committed to not my will being done in my life, but I'm committed to your will being done. They come and they grab Jesus, and they take him away, and he ends up getting crucified on a cross, and then he resurrects. So, while Jesus was down here, the purpose of God for his particular life was to take up that cross physically and to be crucified for the sins of mankind and so on. When Jesus said to his disciples, take up your cross and follow me, he wasn't at all saying to them, you need to take up your cross, and when I'm crucified, there'll be 12 other crosses there, and you'll all be nonsense. That's not what he was asking them to do, and that's not necessarily what they heard, and it's certainly not what they did. That was Jesus' call, that was the agenda of God for his life. The Son of God, Jesus, came to die to be the sinless sacrifice for you and for me. Nobody else could do that, that was for him and him alone. So the cross is not some heavy burden you carry. The easiest way to explain what the cross is, the cross is the will and plan and purpose of God for your life. Jesus is saying this, deny yourself. If you're serious, you don't come after me. If you really want to come after me, then my disciples. Here's what my disciples do. They have a whole bunch of agendas and ideas and things that they want to do. But in the midst of that, they also acknowledge that God is doing something. And that God is on the move. And they acknowledge that they have a role to play in that. And just like Jesus, every one of us has to come to a point where we're in our own garden of Gethsemane and we wrestle with this point. Is it my will or yours be done? Is it the plans and purposes of my life? Is my whole life just going to be about what I want? I mean, Jesus was... Why do you think Jesus asked the Father if there could be no way to do this? Probably because he knew it wasn't going to feel good. Probably because he knew it wasn't going to be comfortable. Probably because he knew that it wasn't, it wasn't going to bring fame or fortune or whatever it is that people chase these days. As disciples, carrying your cross means coming to the same place Jesus is where we decide it's not about my will anymore, God. It's about yours. My life's not primarily about what I want anymore. It's about what you want to. Sometimes I want to see. Why? She feels good. Anyone ever used to see because it felt good? I did. And you feel good and you were doing it wrong. That's the attraction of things. So, so we, 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 we want to do things. But in that moment, 
they didn't make a choice to deny ourselves and go, I won't do that. Because that's not God's work. That's my work. I'm going to go God's work. Instead of watching that TV show with those images that I wanted, it, you know, I'm going to go the other way and turn it down. Close the magazine. Well, oh, instead of sitting there having that conversation about that third person that's not here to defend himself, I'm going to choose God's will and walk away and not engage in that kind of stuff. Daily we make decisions to either outwork our own will and what we want or the will of God. Now, I don't think any of us get to a point of absolute holiness or we don't wrestle with that. If you do, you're better than Jesus. Even Jesus, the sinless Son of God, kneels in a garden and says, Father, this sucks. This is going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. Well, God never said following the garden would be roving and easy and short. There are going to be hard decisions that need to be made. But what he said is, I'll support you in those decisions. You've got to make those decisions. I'll support you in that, but it comes back to your choice. Carrying the cross is not about carrying some kind of a burden. Look at what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3 verse 12. Paul writes this. He says, not that I've already attained or already perfected, but I've pressed on. I love that. He's just acknowledging his own inability. I haven't made it yet. I'm not perfect. I haven't got there. I am a work in progress. Put your hands up if you're a work in progress. That's great. You're going to be a work in progress till the day you leave this planet. That's the truth. You're never going to make it. You're not going to make it. You're going to have struggles and scars and battles. It's the part of life. But Paul says this. He says, even though I'm imperfect, even though I haven't made it, even though I haven't got it all together, he says, I press on. I love that. I press on. I press on. I keep going forward. You know, that's one of the, the mandates that we have here at Arise. One of the things we know God has said to us. Some, some, if you want to go to a gathering and you want to uh, uh, sit there and, and just not grow, if you want to be comfortable to just stay where you are, this is not the place for you because we're going to prod and post and, and, and get you nudge because we know that God has a great life for you. But we don't get it by just sitting down wallowing in whatever he's involved We're going to make decisions and choices. And by the grace and power of God, stand up and walk and you get knocked down and you get up again. And you walk and you get knocked down and you get up again. That's, that's what God wants for us. That's important. I'm just going to press on. I'm perfect. I'm not all together. I'm at the stake. So this thing's not, but I'm going to get up each time and press on and press on and press on. And here's why he's going to press on. Look what he says. I'm going to press on. Why? that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Think about that for a second. Christ Jesus laid a hold of you for something. He laid a hold of you for something. Now how do you know what that something is? It's okay. Let's pray on. Let's pray on. You press on. You press on. Paul says, I'm, I'm, I'm pressing on because I know that Christ Jesus laid a hold of me for something. And I'm going to keep pressing me to find that something. I want that something. I want that something that he laid a hold of me for. God laid a hold of you for a reason. In other words, there is a purpose and a plan, and a path, 
voor hier, is dat tegen bekenning. Wat zegt de werk is? Wat zegt de werk niet? Het is een dat we krijgen. Wat een lange werk daar is dit. It's carrying a cross. It's all about all the burden, brother. Again, it's like last week we talked about the mind. If it's all the burden, that's the need. Who wants it? Who's really going to do it? But it's not about the burden you carry. It's about thinking about the call of God, the same as the purpose of God in your life. And that's positive. That's exciting. Because you're made for that. You're created for that. And that's the main difference in the world. How do you change the world? You change the world when people like you and me, like others say, and go, I'm here for a reason today. So today, I'm going to take up my cross daily to plan a purpose of God for my life, but I'm going to take up and I'm going to walk in. You know, Nick, as Jackie said, done an absolutely amazing job here in Bethlehem. Um, we had a few other people come primarily for those two guys who worked on the stage here and stuff. And you know, one of the things that, that, that um, uh, I, I've been saying to Nick the last few times I've come on in, uh, Nick's here and he's got tools and he's doing all that stuff. Nick's doing all the stuff that I don't know how to do. I can't do it. I've got no idea how to do it. I mean, he's set the tools up and he's cutting and angling and all these things and, and, and I'm just looking and going, I just go, I've got no idea. The stuff that he's doing. I could never do that stuff. So he's like, you know, I came in and I said to Nick, I've got my computer at the back there. I said, Nick, I'm, I'm going to just do what I have to do. And I'm going to sit at the back and do what I have to do. Because you need me, Nick. You just call out. You just say, Alan, I'll, I'll, you know, I need your hand here. Come and this piece of wood. Um, come and, and, and do whatever. You know, I love wood. I want that too. Come and hold this timber. Come and hold this timber. Come and hold this timber. Anything you want me to do, you just tell me. So here's what I did. I just sat there and I did what I had to do. But in the midst of doing what I had to do, I made a decision that I'm going to keep my ears open while I'm doing what I've got to do. Because you know what? He might have a job for me. He might have something that he needs me to do. Now he's doing all the hard work, really. I'm just there to come alongside and to help. To a fish. Remember what following meant? Remember we talked about following that four or five months ago? When Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, then I shall pray to God and follow me. That word following means being assistant too. So what it Being assistant too. So I came in here and I decided I was just going to be an assistant to me. And so I'm down there doing what I have to do. How many of you know there are things in life you have to do? You've got to go to work. You've got to pay the bills. You've got to eat meals. You've got to go to the toilets. You've got to take the kids to work. You've got to do all kinds of things that you've got to do. So you've got to do the stuff that you've got to do. But while you're doing the stuff you've got to do, you keep your ears open and you have an attitude that says, the minute you need me, I will drop whatever I need and I will come running. Whenever you need me, I'll stop what I'm doing and I'll come. Why do I stop what I'm doing and come? Because I made the decision while I was in here that what Nick was doing here was more important than what I was doing there. What Nick was doing here was more important than what I had going on over there. So based on that, Nick, the minute you need something, I'm ready to drop what I'm doing and come running over here to do what you want me to do. 
It's okay for me to have a will. It's okay for me to, to do things I've got to do that's fine. I'm not saying that you sit back and do absolutely nothing to do. No, no, no. The will of God is not some necessarily some big bang, one unique thing that you have to do to go and build a massive building or start a huge ministry. The will of God is outward daily, like taking up your box. It's a daily decision that you make. It's an absolute daily decision that you make. Whose will is more important to you today? Right now, whose will is more important to you? You or God? Whose agenda is primary in your mind right now? Is it your agenda or God? Every one of us are going to end up like Jesus. Well, we're going to have to be on our knees and our understanding to answer that question. Whose will, whose agenda is more important? Yours or God? You know, some weeks we just like get stuck at mass bars and hunt friends and then I'll make it some weeks it's more chocolate and chocolate and vegetables. But we've got to hear this stuff. We've got to wrestle with some of the stuff that Jesus talked about. Taking up your cross was about the will and the purpose and the plan of God. Jesus' cross physically was that part that he had to play in the bigger plan of God. God didn't stop working once Jesus was crucified and resurrected. That was part of the bigger plan. And that plan, the focus and center of that plan was not Jesus or God but man. Should we be there? Then it's not focused, we were just a peripheral, then, then Jesus wouldn't necessarily have to die. We had to be shooting in hand. You know. Let's just turn around and work out like that and we'll make a line up. But God's so loved the world. He gave him no help. He so loved the world. And every day he gets to wake up and play a tiny, tiny role. He sent his plan and his purpose to come. The past. Or to fight for our own purposes. No one would be doing great things and do wonderful things. But they're different. Not enough for the sword in the nation. Or God's doing one big sword. Or God's doing one big sword. Somewhere along the line, the disciples became about playing prayer. Father, I'm going to have a straight straight and read on it. You made it. How about anybody? Anybody. And you got your document that I found basic on where you come in and find them to make a fine break. Somewhere on the line, the disciples became about praying and praying. They called to Jesus, it's actually about living a daily life. ポッドキャストのストーリーだけやったらずっと見てたらすぐに見てたらすぐに見てたらすぐに見てたらすぐに見てたらすぐに見てたらすぐに見てたらすぐに見てたらすぐに見てたらすぐに見てたらすぐに
Matthew 7, verse 21, Jesus actually said, Rejoice, he said, Not everyone who speaks in the Lord, Lord. Certainly, he said, You're in heaven. But he who does the will of my Father. The Father has a will. We all go down and leave in our own garden and rest of us. What's my life going to be like? What's my life going to be about? What's my day going to be about? Is it going to be about my own dreams and dangerous plans and goals? And again, just like when I came in with me, I had plans and dangerous plans. I had to do nothing wrong with that. But I hold it as a different second to the call of me. If you want me to come and do something, then that's it on the shelf. I don't sit there and go, well, hang on, I'll just finish my requirements of duty first. Well, I'll just finish this, I'll just, I'll get, I'll get back to them and I'm going, you want me to do something? You call them and speak to them? Then what I'm going to do? Because at the end of that, I want to show the life. This morning when you walk in here, this morning you don't get back. I get how hard you try and smart you are. Unless you've got your own, um, what's that castle in the back of the future? Unless you've got your own DeLorean, you just lost it. So do I give it to the glory story of myself, or is it something you need to have to know what I want to be a part of that image purpose of what you have to do? Let me, let me summarize this passage. Anyone would follow me? Anyone desires to come after me? Anyone to take up the cross follow me? Let, let, let me? let me just give you my own sort of summary of how I would take it or what I the energy of the new Alan version. Which I'm not, by the way, as long as we Let me summarize this. The defining characteristic of a disciple is someone who makes a daily decision to unashamedly and publicly live out the will of God in their life. It's not somebody who prays prayer once and says, Lord, come into my heart. Lord, just come into my heart. They don't want to come into your heart. The defining characteristic of a disciple is someone who has made a daily decision, unashamed and publicly, without the will of God in their life. Two real quick things about the cross. You know, Jesus didn't have to take up that cross. You know that? Service. Go and get them in and solve the camera in and wait for the Bible to find the same with the story. Say, back up. I don't know if I call my father and get three things that I need to give me everything that I want. Number one, look up, something you've got to choose to pick up, and Jesus chose to pick up. He made that declaration just after he read the word out and what he decided. On his knees, you know what? I made my mind up. It doesn't matter what comes, you come at me with guns and fears, it doesn't matter if you come at me with pitchforks and torches, you take me before running into it, you can now look up. I made my mind up. Not my will, but I kill it. The second thing about a cross is that people carry him publicly. You never saw a missing person down in the back of the look out that someone was crucified on the cross. Everybody knew. Everybody knew. They were marked through the streets. They were, they were put up on hills. They were put on major highways coming in and out of Rome. People hanging there. Rome's way of saying to everybody, let's get up and put it Right definition of a disciple. Someone who makes a daily decision to unashamedly and publicly 